0: This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards. Considering their play on the field and their first steps as a franchise in 1962, it remains astounding that the New York Mets won the 69 World Series over the heavily favored Baltimore Orioles and became known as the Miracle Mets. Those early seasons since their inception were some of the worst in baseball history. Their play was laughable at best. And that's being charitable. But their strategy of putting together as many young players as possible led to a cohesion that would pay off in ways none believed before 1969. Ron Swoboda was a fine player in his day, never a superstar. He was the epitome of the working-class player, the everyman on the field. But his passion for the game and that of his teammates as well is what made this team grow up, grow together, and startle the sports world. in A delightfully self-deprecating style, Swoboda recaptures the moments and memories in his brand-new book, Here's the Catch, a memoir of the Miracle Mets and more. Ron Swoboda played right field for the Mets from 1965 to 1970, the Montreal Expos in 71, and the Yankees from 71 to 73. Since his playing days, he's been a TV sportscaster in New York City, Milwaukee, and New Orleans, where he now provides color commentary for telecast for the AAA Miami Marlins affiliate club. Happy to have Ron Swoboda join me here on Speaking of Writers. Ron, welcome to this program.
1: Well said, Steve. I enjoyed. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you very much. Thanks for reaching out.
0: Can you believe it's been 50 years?
1: <laughs> you know, you don't take the years and stack them up like cordwood in the closet somewhere, you know what I mean? So you you, you can't tangibly put your hands on 50 years. You just know... It's a long time, and, um, and and the good thing is if you get to the end of it um, and you still feel like things you don't know about, um, things that feed your curiosity, um, still have that same attraction, you feel pretty lucky about the whole deal. And, yeah, I can't get my head around a half a century, but uh, I feel lucky to have gotten here in the shape I'm in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you had all these stories. What or who inspired you? to write this memoir?
1: Well, a good friend here and a good reader, uh, you know, I like to hang around people that like books and like to read and like to talk about them. I'm, I'm a member of a book club here now uh, with a bunch of doctors from Oxner Hospital and a bunch of lawyers and a bunch of us nondescripts, you know, and we um, we like to read, and, and, and a, a guy who was a friend of mine, a, a real good reader, a lawyer here, is a guy named Rob Kuig and he was a friend, and we he owned part of the baseball team at one time um, that I work for now still, and so we became friends and talked books, and I'd have drinks over his house, and he kept saying to me, and I'd tell him a few of these stories, and he said, you got to write this stuff down. And I, you know, I'd never felt compelled. And, and, and finally, you know, he is a relentless entrepreneur. And he said, Swoboda, he said, if you don't get this stuff ready for the 50th anniversary, nobody's going to buy it. And I went, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started writing stuff. I had a big pile of stuff that had an agent in new york we, we we sold the idea of this thing and i had this big pile of stuff that that i i couldn't find a book in If you put a gun on me and um the agent called me up at one point and said hey how's it going and i said how does uh, <laughs> dead in the water uh... sound and he said as a title no <laughs> i said no i said i'm just stuck and you know i'm just stuck and and i need somebody who would know what a book looks like in all of this? And he came up with a fellow named uh, Jamie Malinowski, who has written some stuff. He writes speeches for. He's one of the speech writers for Andrew Cuomo, and he had a feel for my writing, and and we started winnowing it down and um, and and got into what was you know essentially our manuscript. Handed it off to the agent, and and doggone it, somebody bought it.
0: Mm. Chatting with uh, Ron Swoboda, his new book is "Here's the Catch: A Memoir of the Miracle Mets and More." All right, so you joined the Mets in '65. I want to go back to '68. Yes, Gil Hodges took over as manager. What was Gil like, and why did you say that you failed to appreciate uh, him when it really mattered? You
1: know, um, I'm not sure I have uh, uh, cured myself, but I I've always been a little fractious about. Authority. If it leans on me a little bit, um, um, I I don't react to it well. Um, authoritarianism is not my favorite thing. Um, and Gill was an authoritarian. Um, and and my first reaction with him, I had had a pretty good year uh, offensively. Hit two eighty one in nineteen sixty seven. Gill comes in, and we know this whole program is getting a lot more serious. Uh, Gil is a baseball man with a mind as adroit as any I ever encountered. And I played for Gene Mock, who was reportedly a genius. Hodges, when he made his decisions and he made his moves, they seemed to resolve in a way that everybody understood. And I thought that was, uh, besides being right on the mark with that, uh, I thought that was the wonder of what he was doing. But, the authority part of it just grated at me, and I did things uh, that annoyed him, and it's all on me. Um, all Gil wanted you to be was act like a grown-up and be the best player you could be and help his team win. And, you know, I could do some of that some of the time, but not all of it all the time. And the authority thing, I just annoyed the hell out of the man. And, and um, you know, it's it, it is still... An annoyance to me that I couldn't figure out how to cultivate this relationship, and then what do I come to find out? Years later, I read, and when I'm researching for the book, I read a biography of phil Hodges, and it turns out, as a Marine in World War II, he was on Tinian Island uh, with the Marines there, and as, and and they left in early March 1945 to head towards what would be that awful series of battles in okinawa that he was a part of as a as a guy in a any aircraft battalion my dad was a b-29 guy a waste gunner in a b-29 my dad and his b-29 crew came, came on to Tinian in the Marianas um, the end of March 1945 I didn't know that until I didn't know that till Gil was long gone. My dad just passed in April of last year at ninety-six years old, and you know, after living a beautiful life, and and I never put those two things together. I I, I could have put them together when I was on the team if I had known, but Gil didn't talk about any of that, and nobody knew.
0: My guest is Ron Swoboda. His uh, book is Here's the Catch, a memoir of the Miracle Mets and more. So, Gil Hodges becomes the manager in 68. Start of the 69 season, you got the young core you're part of with Seaver, Cleon, Tommy Agee, Ed Cranepool, Jerry Kuzman, uh, among others. Was there a moment, Ron, in that season and when, that you felt, hey, we've got a pretty good team here?
1: You know, Gil uh, was talking to the sports writers in spring training and. They asked him, What do you think this team can do? And Gil said, I think they can win eighty five games and I remember me and and Eddie Crainpo looking at one another going, Us? <laughs> Is he talking about us? <laughs> um you know, we had won seventy three games a year before and we knew we were gonna we had a chance of being better, but we didn't know what better was. And and, and when Gil said eighty five, I I was like, Really? Um, well, let's go. And uh, um we played kind of bubbling around 500 into june of that year and and you know 500 would have been an improvement okay in a 162 game schedule so we we in shea stadium in, in in the middle of june we we open up what turns into an 11 game win streak against the california team the giants dodgers and padres and and, and it continues uh, uh, to the West Coast in California, and we finish it up, winning 11 games, and and sort of vaulting ourselves into respectability and relevance. Okay, and and so we're in this thing, and I think that opened some eyes in the front office, and Johnny Murphy, the general manager, and they look for now. They think, hey, maybe that next piece we need. Uh, will will be the difference, and and so Don Quinn was unhappy in Montreal. Montreal was trying to trade him to Houston. He wasn't going. He really because he was a lawyer in the off season, uh, uh, are studying to be a lawyer at that point, and worked for Scripto. But he wasn't going to Houston. He said he'd go home, and 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 they said, hang in there, we'll find a deal. The deal was with the Mets. We trade Steve Rogers, a pretty good pitcher for Montreal, down the road, and he substantiates the deal. And four other players went to Montreal. It was a it was a five for one deal. And Clendenen comes our way. He's ready to go, and he's a power hit The first baseman who'll platoon with Ed Cranepool, and and add the thing we really needed: a little more pop, a little more offense. And of course, Clendenen comes in the clubhouse, and he can chirp. Okay, uh, he he's 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 on everybody's case, and, and, and he is very much what Major League Baseball considers a clubhouse lawyer, except, I like to say, he's the only one I ever knew who was actually studying to be a lawyer, uh, got the degree, passed the bar, and practiced law after his <laughs> baseball career. So he was authentic, okay? Yeah. But Ch- we're in the hunt. Yeah. Now, you know, we're in the hunt, and... and Pittsburgh falls by the wayside. Um, the Cardinals fall by the wayside. It it really turns into, from from after the midseason on, it turns into us and the Cubs.
0: And then the Cubs, you start to see them fade. They overuse their well, pitchers. Well, it took
1: a while. You know, it took a while. We had some pretty good runs there where yeah. I'm I'm thinking, you know, we're, We're vaulting into relevance and and, and arriving kind of at more like this team that everybody thought we might be and and playing good, and we can't seem to catch the Cubs. You know, it was 10 games in the middle of August, and we're not catching them, and I'm thinking – here we we arrive, we get better, appreciably better, and we're going to end up as the pumpkin in somebody else's Cinderella story. Yeah. You know, that yeah. that occurred to me. And I was like, this is going to be awful. Even though we've improved, uh, you know, I don't want to be sidelight to anybody. And, 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 you know, Gil Hodges and that coaching staff, you know, would – would do anything to beat Leo DeRocher, uh, who they all knew from way back when with the Giants uh, in New York and those wonderful Giant Dodgers uh, bouts they had. Um, so we don't we don't make a move until the end of August. Um, in, in you know on the Cubs, the Cubs really playing veteran guys all the time. You know Ernie Banks. Veteran guy Billy Williams, Ron Santo, Randy Hundley, um, Fergie Jenkins. You know, there's a couple of Hall of Fame names in there, and yeah. they play in the same lineup all the time. They're a four-man starting rotation. We're a five-man, and we're platooning at four positions or more. And, and we're fresher and younger. And the Cubs hit the wall and at the and that last week in August, and they start fading fast, and they tumble. And we end up catching them and passing them, and that's really when it all went down. And they, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't touch us, and we never looked back.
0: My guest is Ron Swoboda. His uh, book is "Here's the Catch: A Memoir of the Miracle Mets and More" with Seaver, your closest teammate. I,
1: I was not uh, in in the Tom Seaver clique. Uh, he he roomed with Buddy Harrelson. Um, probably would have done me a lot of good. In, to hang around Tom a little more often because Seaver, you know, Seaver's the reason we have rings on our fingers um, and and Kuzman behind him. We had a one-two punch that was amazing. But Tom Seaver, on his way to the Hall of Fame, on his way to a Cy Young Award in 1969 was the coolest number, and, and he was Hall of Fame from the get-go. From the time he showed up in 67, His stuff was Hall of Fame. His attitude was Hall of Fame. His confidence was all there. All he needed was time to amass the statistics. Kuzman was a warrior and and, and would more often get the other team's ace if we could arrange it that way. Um, And with those two guys, you're just not going to have very long losing streaks. And when they got rolling in the second half of the season – and both of them had a little bit of an arm problem. Seaver had a little achy shoulder, skipped the all-star game. Koozie had some kind of a cramp under his pitching arm and a little muscle there, and it looked serious. And then they rubbed it around and rested him, and it went away, and they both went strong down the stretch.
0: What about your outfield mates, Cleon Jones and Tommy Agee? What were they like?
1: They're, um, they were some of my better friends, Um Tommy Agee, after he was finished playing, he and I would always catch up at appearances and things because I, I really thought he was a quality guy. And Cleon and I are still pretty close today. Um, Cleon, Cleon was of the of the guys I played with probably mechanically, um, analytically understood hitting better than anybody. Uh, maybe Clint Denon had a had a pretty good idea about it, but Cleon was a guy that really uh, understood the technique of hitting, studied it. And, um, you, you talk to hitting, you talk hitting with Cleon today, and I was just doing that a week or so ago. And you realize that his brain was around this thing we were all trying to do. I was just a guy that ran up there hacking from the go and, and, and had no real idea of, of what the heck I was really trying to do. And, you know, or, or nowhere near on the scale of Cleon who, who was battling for the batting title in 1969 with Pete Rose and a couple of pretty good hitters. So, But Tommy was a quality guy, and, and, and we had great relationships, black and white on that team, conservative, liberal, whatever. I don't think those two words ever came up in 1969. All we cared about was, were you doing the job?
0: In our remaining moments with Ron Swoboda, his book is Here's the Catch, A Memoir of the Miracle Mets and more. And speaking of the title, here's the catch, Game 4, World Series against the Orioles at Shea. What was the feeling like when you caught that ball?
1: You know, I I had worked so hard to make myself a better outfitter. Eddie Yost hit me thousands of line drives, ground balls. I didn't take fly balls so much as those hard ones to read off the bat line drives and ground balls. I practiced that speed, um, about 150 feet away. And, and, you know, I thought I was working on my hands and my footwork, but without even thinking about it, I was learning to read the ball better off the bat and, and, and my footwork was get, was getting better. And, and I think it culminated in that game four, you know, we're up one, nothing, uh, in a ball game that was pivotal. Um, Top of the ninth inning, first and third, one out. Um, we're up two games to one on the Orioles. If we win this game, we go up three to one. If they win it, this series is even, and I don't think you want to let that Oriole team back in the door. And Brooks Robinson, one of my favorite guys, because I was a Baltimore boy, and, uh, you know, he was one of my favorites, and he hits a line drive, and I'm off. You know, I'm off. A couple of three, four strides is really all it takes. And I'm thinking, good jump, but I'm not sure you're going to get there. Um, I'm going to have to lay out. And and in the slow motion way, you can remember that whole sequence. uh, I go full layout on my backhand, and, and this ball hits me square in the web. And when it hits me in that web of that glove, I knew it was going nowhere. I had it. It was out. Frank Robinson tags up from third and ties the game. In uh, we in the ninth, we uh, we don't score in the bottom of the ninth, but in the bottom of the tenth, we're bunting over a guy from second base, and and the Orioles threw threw the ball away trying to get JC Martin at first base, who 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 bunted it, and it rolls in the right field, and and we walk off with a win, and and uh, it's three to one us. We've got a little bit of a chokehold on these Baltimore Orioles.
0: Yep. And the, uh, the rest is history, as they say, and the Mets go on to, the West <laughs> to win the world series. Yeah, so, uh, what do you have planned for this year? Are you taking part in some of the, uh, upcoming celebrations with yeah, the Mets? Uh,
1: well, you know, the Mets have been working hard to get as many people as can, uh, are able, you know, and that are able becomes a much, uh, more critical phrase. Um, as all of us are in our mid or late seventies and, uh, um, trying to get them to city field that last weekend, um, in June. And of course I'll turn 75 that Sunday. So it's going to be a wonderful time being around some of the guys that we just don't see much of. Uh, and of course, you're going to get celebrated at city field, which is a wonderful place. But, uh, for us, I think the, the the neat part is seeing a bunch of people you don't see that often. I, I've spent a little time with Cleon, spent a little time with Art Shansky who platooned with me, and uh, just saw Eddie Cranepool um with his new kidney, and he's yes. doing great. Yeah,
0: he's it's doing good to great. Hear. It's, yeah,
1: it's unbelievable. That's I'm probably from Eddie's perspective, that's more of a miracle in 1969. But he's he's got a new lease on life, and I'm I'm tickled to death.
0: Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. All right, Ron Swoboda, the book is Here's the Catch, Memoir of the Miracle Mets, and more. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for reaching out. This was fun. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And this is Speaking of Writers, and that is Capital Region Sunday, a production of Town Square Media Albany for this week. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with another edition. I'm Steve Richards.